episode 64. How many fingers, Winston? Four. The needle went up to 60. How many fingers, Winston? Four. Four, what else can I say? Four. The needle must have risen again, but he did not look at it. The heavy, stern face and the four fingers filled his vision. The fingers stood up before his eyes like pillars, enormous, blurry, and seeming to vibrate, but unmistakably four. How many fingers, Winston? Four! Stop it! How can you go on? Four! Four! How many fingers, Winston? Five! 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 No, Winston, it is no use. You are lying. You still think there are four. How many fingers, please? Four! Five! Four! Anything you like, only stop it! Stop the pain! Abruptly, he was sitting up with O'Brien's arm round his shoulders. He had perhaps lost consciousness for a few seconds. The bonds that had been holding his body down were loosened. He felt very cold. He was shaking uncontrollably. His teeth were chattering. The tears were rolling down his cheeks. For a moment, he clung to O'Brien like a baby curiously comforted by the heavy arm round his shoulders. He had the feeling that O'Brien was his protector, that the pain was something that came from outside, from some other source, and that it was O'Brien who would save him from it. You are a slow learner, Winston, said O'Brien gently. How can I help it, he blubbered. How can I help seeing what is in front of my eyes? Two and two are four. Sometimes, Winston, sometimes they are five. Sometimes they are three. Sometimes they are all of them at once. You must try harder. It is not easy to become sane. He laid Winston down on the bed. The grip of his limbs tightened again, but the pain had ebbed away and the trembling had stopped, leaving him merely weak and cold. O'Brien motioned with his head to the man in the white coat who had stood immobile throughout the proceedings. The man in the white coat bent down and looked closely into Winston's eyes, felt his pulse, laid an ear against his chest, tapped here and there, and then he nodded to O'Brien. Again, said O'Brien. The pain flowed into Winston's body. The needle must be at 70, 75. He had shut his eyes this time. He knew that the fingers were still there and still four. All that mattered was somehow to stay alive until the spasm was over. He had ceased to notice whether he was crying out or not. The pain lessened again. He opened his eyes. O'Brien had drawn back the lever. How many fingers, Winston? Four. 
I suppose there are four. I would see five if I could. I am trying to see five. Which do you wish? To persuade me that you see five or really to see them? Really to see them? Again, said O'Brien. Perhaps the needle was at 80, 90? Winston could not intermittently remember why the pain was happening. Behind his screwed-up eyelids, a forest of fingers seemed to be moving in a sort of dance, weaving in and out, disappearing behind one another and reappearing again. He was trying to count them, but he could not remember why. He knew only that it was impossible to count them and that this was somehow due to the mysterious identity between five and four. The pain died down again. When he opened his eyes, it was to find that he was still seeing the same thing. Innumerable fingers like moving trees were still streaming in either direction, crossing and recrossing. He shut his eyes again. How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? I don't know, I don't know. You can kill me if you do that again, four, five, six. In all honesty, I don't know. Better, said O'Brien. A needle slid into Winston's arm. Almost in the same instant, a blissful, healing warmth spread all through his body. The pain was already half forgotten. He opened his eyes and looked up gratefully at O'Brien. At sight of the heavy, lined face, so ugly and so intelligent, his heart seemed to turn over. If he could have moved, he would have stretched out a hand and laid it on O'Brien's arms. He had never loved him so deeply as at this moment, and not merely because he had stopped the pain. The old feeling that, at bottom, it did not matter whether O'Brien was a friend or an enemy, had come back. O'Brien was a person who could be talked to. Perhaps one did not want to be loved so much as to be understood. O'Brien had tortured him to the edge of lunacy, and in a little while, it was certain, he would send him to his death. It made no difference. In some sense, that went deeper than friendship. They were intimates, somewhere or other, although the actual words might never be spoken, there was a place where they could meet and talk. O'Brien was looking down at him with an expression which suggested that the same thought might be in his own mind. When he spoke, it was in an easy, conversational tone. Do you know where you are, Winston, he said. I don't know, I, I can guess, in the Ministry of Love. Do you know how long you have been here? I don't know, days, weeks, months? I, I think it is months. And why do you imagine that we bring people to this place? To make them confess, no. That is not the reason. Try again. To punish them. No, exclaimed O'Brien. 
His voice had changed extraordinarily, and his face had suddenly become both stern and animated. No, not merely to extract your confession, not to punish you. Shall I tell you why we have brought you here? To cure you, to make you sane. Will you understand, Winston, that no one whom we bring to this place ever leaves our hands uncured? We are not interested in those stupid crimes that you have committed. The party is not interested in the overt act. The thought is all we care about. We do not merely destroy our enemies. We change them. Do you understand what I mean by that?